Hello and welcome to the Me Palabra podcast brought to you by Link Media. Today I am sitting here with JP Harada. JP, great to see you. Thanks for being here. Oh, likewise, man. Likewise. Looking forward to this. This podcast is called Me Palabra. Tell me a little bit about what that means to you. Well, the reason it's named Mi Palabra, it's uh, in Spanish, we have this term that, you know, Mi Palabra basically means my word. You know, my word is an individual and it carries a lot of different things. But the most is that, you know, you kind of live by that model. You know what I mean? So your honor is everything. Your word is everything. So you make a promise, you keep it. Um, and I think the the biggest thing about it is that we should always be learning. So with Mi Palabra basically means that even though I have this particular idea right now, if new information comes in, then I'm able to grow from it and maybe change my perspective on certain things as long as it stays true to myself, you know? Makes sense, makes sense. Yeah, um, Mi Palabra, I mean, that's a, it's a it's a cool phrase. I've never heard it personally myself before before we decided to, uh, to work on this, but it makes a lot of sense in, t- in terms of being yourself, uh, keeping your word and, um, I mean, that's that's great. So give us a little bit about what this podcast um, is going to be about. What 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 messages and purpose is kind of behind this uh, this my word yeah. meaning to you? Well, um, in the community, I'm known as a big mouth. And I know sometimes <laughs> I come off uh, very opinionated about, you know, certain things in the community. But um, I'm hoping that with this particular podcast, we can reach people, educate people. Um, whether it be the homies in the neighborhood or funders or just community members to, for them to take on new information and then base choices uh, on those particular things. You know, um, I would love to be able to get a message out more to the community, uh, especially during these troubling times with so much division going on with everybody and right. everybody making those assumptions about the other side. Right. Um, and I think that this is the best way to kind of get different points of views from people, listen to what they have to say, and then incorporate that in your everyday life. Whether the way that we make decisions um, for the homies, it's how they react to situations or what kind of predicaments they put themselves in for them to take ownership of those decisions, you know? And for community members also, your dollars are very powerful when you donate to certain causes, you know? So I would think that you would want to know the best or what the reality is of what those organizations are really doing, right. you know? Um, and then me being able to talk about the gang stuff, uh, I know there's a lot of uh, miscommunication on that um, because of the type of people that they're willing to listen to, you know, whether it be law enforcement or dropouts. You know, they have their own perceptions. They like to sell themselves. I feel like there's mixed signals, too, in a lot of that. You know, yeah. so you may have one perspective and not know the other at all. And right. then um, you'll just kind of take that for what it is. Um, so I guess, when, you know, one, one of the terms, and, you know, we'll probably go through terms because I'm not as familiar um, as he is. Walk us through what the home, like, who are the homies? Just so everyone knows kind of yeah. what, what that entails of, of who that actually is and who that speaks to. Yeah. Well, during all this, we're, we are going to have some clarifications on, on meanings. You know what I mean? Like you just said right now, like what is the homies? Um, there's different types. There's the active and then the non-active, right? So if you're active in the way that we see things, it means that you do belong to a neighborhood. You haven't broken the rules. 
So that means, you know, you're not a snitch, you're not a dropout, you're not a molester, you're not a rapist, you're not, there's certain a code of conduct that you're supposed to abide by, right? Um, and then the way that we see it is somebody that's in good standing doesn't necessarily mean that they're out there committing crimes. You know what I mean? It means that you just live by a strict code of conduct of yourself and that you hold your circle to the same standards as everybody else, right? In the community, I feel that um, you, in order for you to get credibility on being able to help or educate individuals, you law enforcement tends to think that you have to be a dropout in order to really consider you as being an honest individual to help them or to educate the community. You know, um, my biggest draw in that is that I've never seen those type of individuals really talk about the issues as opposed to just wanting to blame the gangs, right. you know? Um, and, and there's good and bad things right. about that. But um, like I said, I, I just want to basically be able to give you a different perspective on that particular topic. Yeah, yeah, you know? and that's and that's great that we can uh, shine some light on kind of reality of, mm -hmm. of both sides and all sides of, of everything. Um, so just to sum it up, I, you know, I mean, homies in, in short terms, it sounds like active versus non-active kind of gang members, um, as a, as a kind of ish. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, you know, for the most part a homie is somebody from the neighborhood, mostly. Some type of neighborhood. Yeah. Correct. You know, from a gang, you know, from that particular lifestyle. And whether um, they're active or non-active, that kind of, that, that, that there's different types. Of correct. There's different levels of levels, things, yeah. and, but everybody outside likes to look at everybody as the same right and for us it's kind of like no 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 we're not the same like we're different mm -hmm. you know um and like i said it, it's all about the code of conduct how you conduct yourself right you know what i mean and especially like now during this social media time um i think a lot of youngsters need to hear um from the older heads from the older individuals for them to kind of understand their history of where it all started how it came about um and then be reminded of what you got yourself into you know what i mean right um and hopefully with this podcast like i said you know we can kind of educate them on that but at the same time be able to teach them that there's a way to hold yourself accountable in this lifestyle right and be able to make better choices moving forward right so. we'll just try to shine light on truth on, on all sides and um yeah you know, we're gonna we're gonna keep it real and uh keep the stories unfiltered and uh, yeah so JP, I mean, you, you must yeah. have a, a super interesting story yourself. Um, you know, tell us a little bit about, you know, growing up and uh, kind of where you grew up and um, a little bit about, you know, maybe your your, your life with your parents or, you know, however, how yeah. that panned out. And um, yeah, just give us a little bit. Well, um, so I actually, uh, I, I was born in Mexico. I was born in Mexico and I came here at an early age, um, say around five or so. Right. Um, luckily for me, all the times that I crossed the border, it was always through the line, you know, the immigration line. So I didn't go through the desert and had to do a lot of the other stuff. Right. Um, but uh, when I first moved here to Santa Barbara, I actually lived on the west side by the West Side Boys Club. Okay. Right. I remember my parents renting out a garage there. And then uh, a little bit after uh, we ended up moving to Galita, to Isla Vista and then from Isla Vista to Galita. So I grew up in what people know as uh, the Galita projects, the housing projects out there on Kellogg and Hollister. Um, 
when I moved there, like I said, you know, we really didn't have no families here or anything. So uh, my parents worked multiple jobs, um, spent a lot of time outside of my community. So the minute you open up the door, all you see is the homies. Right. You know what I mean? So I kind of gravitated to that. Right. Um, I joined the neighborhood uh, when I was uh, 12 years old, officially. Um, and it's pretty much the same time that I got on, I was put on the, you know, the justice system. I got on probation when I was 12 years old. I didn't get off until I was, what, 35? Wow. You know what I mean? So I spent that whole time. Yeah, um, years. Yeah, but it was ironic because uh, the way that I got introduced into the justice system was um, I had a little brother that was uh, taken away um, through Child Protective Services, you know, accusations of beatings and, and everything else going on. Um, and I was put on probation because at the age of 12, I had talked to some of the older homies in my neighborhood and I was like, Hey, you know, I need to find my little brother and they took him away and so on. So I actually broke into three foster homes wow. looking for him and I got caught in the last one. And that's um, where you, you got on probation. Correct, <laughs> yeah, correct. You know, wow. um, but I remember when I went to court and they're like, Oh, well, you know, this kid has good grades and, you know, he's doing this, he's doing that. And my mom's like, you know, yo, your honor, you know, please, you know, instead of locking him up, like, let me take him to Mexico, you know? And at that time, I didn't want to leave. I was a kid right. and I was like, fuck that, all my friends here and right. I don't want to go nowhere. Um, so I was remember telling the judge, like, no, nah, your honor, like, send me to jail. Like, I'll go to jail. I don't want to go to Mexico. Yeah. Um, so I actually did a lot of that during that time. So I went to Mexico for a year, came back. Um, and like I said, honestly, until the age of 17, I would spend a year here, a year there, a year here, a year there, because I kept on getting in, into situations. Um, and the judge was always perplexed because he was like, how the hell are you getting good grades, like A's and B's, but yet you have all these assaults, you have all these fights, you right. have all these things. Right. Um, and like I said, I did come from a very violent home uh, with my dad, uh, he was very abusive with us. He never raised his hand on my mom. My mom would beat his ass, but with us, it was a whole different thing. Um, so with me going through that at the house, I always felt like I wanted to take it out on somebody else. So the streets was just naturally for me to gravitate because on the streets, you can just get down with anybody. Right, right? there's the natural outlet. Oh, hell yeah. And the more violent you were, the more the streets embrace you. So I kind of enjoy that part. You know what I mean? Um, and then the, the kind of stuff that molded me was my experiences also in school and the system. Um, because every though, even though I was young and I was getting sent to Mexico, coming back, even when I come back and they used to give you those proficiency tests in school to kind of see where, where to place you. Mm -hmm. I, would, I would do good in my science, my every part of the school, I would do great except for the English. So they would always feel like I didn't know English as well, but they didn't understand that I would stay quiet for like two, three weeks until I kind of got back into the groove of I how see. to speak it and everything. Yeah. But in the middle of me doing those, I would hear the teachers, you know, call you a spig or a wet bag or a beaner or this and that. Wow. So you kind of just kind of compartmentalize a lot of that. Um, and then, like I said, that would make me kind of hate the system or white people or you know what I mean it just forms an idea right I mean of how you know, the world you're works. developing you know, yeah ideas of how the world works and other people and 
Yeah. That's you know, yeah. so that, like I said, you know, you kind of build that. And then when you get off of the school setting, you know, back in the day, we used to have these cops and um, they, a few of them were the ones who would break in my house and took my little brother and everything. So when they would see me on the street, they'll be like, hey, you know, how's your little brother doing? And I'd be like, man, fuck you. Like, because they knew that that's the way to get at you. I see, I see. You know what I mean? So obviously the next time you see the cop rolling around, fucking throw a brick or slash their tires or paint their car. You know, we used yeah. to tag their cars see, and everything. Um, so I was already being rebellious in that setting. Right. Um, and, you know, when I came into the neighborhood thing, we had this, I had this idea, this illusion, because the way they sell it to you, it's like honor and respect and, you know, it's us against the world right. and, you know, we're going to defend you and so on. And so I'm it, it's true. But then as I got a little bit older, you kind of get to see the the bigotry, the the lies, you know. Um, and then luckily for me, I did have some good older individuals in the neighborhood that kind of, you know, would allow me to ask questions. And then they sit down and explain to you certain things, you know. Um I think the the moment for me was when I was about probably about fourteen, uh, around fourteen years old. When I uh, I I was so frustrated by looking at my homies and seeing like most of them were cowards, most of them were pieces of shit. You know, like um, they used to get the younger ones and tell them to go do this, go do that, and I'd be like, motherfucker, why don't you do it? Like, you know. So I pulled one of the homies aside, and I remember I told him, I said, "Hey, my boy, I think I'm gonna." I just want to get jumped out like fuck this like the same for me you know and he's like nah you know what are you talking about he kind of talked to me for a little bit told me like hey homie just think about this because if you do then you can't there ain't no coming back right. it's just this right. way it is now yeah so i remember i was just thinking about it um but then around that same time i ended up getting sent to mexico for another assault that i did right um at that time it was funny because i was in juvenile court and they brought in the chain gang, right? And when in the chain gang, I had like eight of my homies that were all coming down from boys camp. Mm -hmm. And all the homies are like, hey, my boy, like get sent up to the boys camp, fools. Like we're running shit up there right now. Like there's a bunch of us out there. Da, da, da. So I was like, my boy, I'm trying, I'm trying to get to camp, but they won't send me. Right. So when they put in the chain gang and then I went to court and I told the, the judge, he asked me, he's all again. I'm like, yeah, you know, he's all, so what am I going to do with you? Fuck, send me to camp. My mom again, let me send him to Mexico again. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, fuck, man, like I really want to go to camp. Like yeah. all my homies are there, all my friends are there. So they ended up sending me to Mexico again. And when I got to Mexico that particular time, I remember my mom telling my grandpa, like, you know, this motherfucker joined the gang, right? And I just remember seeing my grandpa's face of disappointment, like, like what a coward. Like, you know, it's a coward act, right? Like he was telling me all these things. And I remember just putting my head down and I was like, I was so ashamed of how he saw me. And I told him, I said, you know what, Grandpa, he's all, as soon as I get back, I'm gonna talk to the homies and I'm gonna get jumped out, you know? And I remember my grandpa telling me, he's all, so you made a decision like you were a man, right? He's all, you made a decision to join something. He's all, and now you're gonna be acting even more like a coward by leaving it? Like, like that's gonna change anything? like. Right. So I remember looking at him like, well, what the fuck you want me to do? Like, you want me to stay in there? You want me to join out? Like, what? And then I remember he just told me, he's all, you know what? Figure shit out. He's all, right. sometimes you're going to make decisions in life. And the best thing that you could do is how can you 
live up to that, but at the same time be able to help others, you know? And at that age, honestly, man, I, I didn't understand. Yep. I was still confused. But um, I remember when I came back, when I came back, it really forced me like, okay, I'm in this shit. I have to make decisions based on this shit, but I, it, but I get to choose who my surroundings are, like who I allow near me or the stuff that I'm doing, you know? And I think that was the biggest impact that it made for me because I didn't realize that until I had my first kid, how much that would dictate the rest of my life. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, I mean, that was just the, the gang situation um, and how I kind of came about. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting situation you you end up putting yourself in and, and I mean, it's who you surround with and decisions you make and then you find yourself in the middle of things and your family's on one side maybe and, you know, I mean, you're being judged on all sides. Um, and the term, I mean, so you're kind of stuck in it, so jumped out. Um, so, I mean, I'm going to guess that kind of refers to, like, if you're trying to get, like, leave a gang, right. then you get jumped to some degree to, to be able to leave it. Is that yeah, so back in the day, if you wanted to join the neighborhood, you, you get jumped in. Right. Right. So you have a couple individuals in the neighborhood. They beat you down for a little bit. Um, and then if you fight back, that's great. If you don't fight back, at least back back in the day, if you don't fight back, it was like, dude, you just got your ass beat, but you're not in. Like you showed cowardice. Like yeah. you didn't even fight back. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So when you get jumped out, that's pretty much you being castrated. Um, you being isolated from the community that you come from. You know, you get your ass beat, and after that, every time they see you, you're just pretty much nobody. Like, yeah. you know, so you can't really talk to the people you grew up with. Yeah, you know, all the yeah, people all around, your friends, and everything. Exactly. Yeah. No, I mean that's a that's a tough situation to find yourself in. Um, so connect the dots a little bit for us. So I mean, you're on probation for 23 years, from you know 12 to 35, mm -hmm. and you know now you're using this as a a, a platform to to help um others you know whether it be kids or families or 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 whatever that may be from to learn from your experiences and that so connect how kind of that uh ended and maybe what clicked for you to to go from that mm. to the the other side of it uh you know of being uh you know trying to help as many people as possible because of what you've experienced and everything yeah. you've gone through well everything i just told you was very light on the neighborhood on my on my youth you know i didn't make those connections um that you just spoke about until i was much later um as an adult i ended up becoming a two striker you know what i mean so state of california you commit a couple of felonies each felony can be counted as a strike so as an adult when i got back into it after i had my kids um keep in mind i had multiple jobs trying to raise them the right way. And I I couldn't fucking click. I couldn't understand how my upbringing, how to use it to benefit me in the real world. Because I had this idea like, the real world is nothing from the gang. Like, you know, society. Right. right. Like, but then once I got a little bit older, I realized like, fuck, society is the same thing as a gang. All the things I learned as a gang member is exactly the same life lessons that you need in order to be successful outside the gang and what people call society, right? Um, so as I got in a, as an adult, like I said, I became a two striker. Um, I went on the run for like, uh, was it five, six years? 
Um, and then when I turned myself in, um, I actually, the judge was surprised. He's like, you, you supported your family. You've done this, you've done that. It's if you're able to do that here in Cali without going on the run, like there's no reason why you shouldn't be able to be as successful, right. you know? So I ended up doing some time, which I honestly being on the run for so long, I thought these fools are going to strike me out and I'm done. Right but while I was sitting in County doing some time for that, I was like, fuck, what the hell am I going to do when I get out? Like I'm a two striker. No one's going to want to hire me. No one's going to want to offer me an opportunity or anything, period. Like, you know, not college educated, not nothing. So, um, when I got out, it just so happened that while I was on the run, the murder happened on State Street with the Linares kid, mm. you know? Uh, my brother is the one that actually, the kid actually died in my brother's arms. Oh, wow. My brother's the one that broke up that whole fight. Wow. Um, so when I got out, the community was having this big event of nonprofits trying to get together and minim how do we minimize gang violence and so on. I had barely gotten out maybe like two, three weeks prior to that. And I talked to this man named uh, Fernand Surratt, who used to run like the West Coast of IBM. Okay, okay. And he had barely moved to Santa Barbara and he had this idea like, oh, you know, he's going to put his own money into developing a nonprofit to to help everybody, right? So when I was talking to him, I didn't know who this man was, but my brother had invited me. He started working with him. And this guy asked, starts asking questions like, you know, what's your background? What do you do? So I told him all the, all the type of jobs I had, you know, carpenter, electrician, cook, everything. Mm -hmm. And he's like, no, no, no. I mean, like the gang stuff. And I remember looking at him like, who the fuck are you? Fool? Like, I'm not going to talk to you about my stuff. Like, <laughs> and he's like, no, no, no. He's like, you know, I, I just want to offer you a job. And, and I remember telling him like, I can't work. Dude. Like, I can't do that kind of shit. Like, again, because I have certain codes that I have to conduct myself sure. in a certain manner and everything. Yep. Um, but I ended up um, taking him up on me volunteering. Uh, he wanted me to recruit some kids. Um, I told him that's fine, I'll recruit him. I was just doing volunteer work, but I ended up recruiting like over 35 kids from different neighborhoods, right? Um, and it took me about two months, me volunteering for me to get comfortable earning a paycheck doing what I was already doing. So once I did that, um, I've always been one of those type of people that likes to know how things work. Again, I think it goes back to my tweaker mind, you know, being able to take things apart and put it back together. But um, when I started working for his organization, um, they were doing grant writing, um, they were doing the budgeting, they were doing a lot of this. So I was the only one out of the whole nonprofit um, for that organization that would actually sit down with them and ask questions. You know, how do you do this? How do you do that? Um, when he was doing the budgeting, I was like, my boy, like, I know how to do that shit. I used to sell math, I used to sell weed, coke, so I know how to do the budget. Right. So I applied those skills that I already knew into understanding how the breakdown of the grants coming in and how it goes out. It and works, yeah. Exactly, you know? And as far as the grant writing goes, um, I would see how much you would pay the grant writers, and I'd be like, dude, I can write better than that. Like, especially because it's our concept, it's us implicating this curriculum, and it's us getting the results of them, so I know how to do it. Again, gang banging 101, you know, how do you recruit youngsters? How do you get them to do certain things? So I understood all that. And that's how I put it in, into order. Yeah, and I mean, it, it sounds like growing up, I mean, you had, you know, really good grades through all the, everything that you went through. So, I mean, so obviously you're really smart, but applying it into a, a real life job or situation, 
Um, it's just something that you haven't ha didn't have to do before that. Correct. And then when you when you got the opportunity to do that, then it seems like it was able to translate, you know, very well. I mean, um, you know, you know what I think it was. I think it was that when I first became a young adult at eighteen, a father, I, I didn't allow myself to feel empowered, like I I can figure things out. I always felt like I was with a uh, with a crutch. I always felt like my past. I couldn't use none of that. Yeah. Like I had to figure out how this white world works and how to, I, I felt like I was really at a disadvantage because I couldn't use none of those life lessons. When I got out, again, two striker, I was like, fuck it. I, I gotta, I gotta do my way yeah. and I gotta apply my skills and try to see if, you know, how I, I work it out. And that worked out. Yeah, and I mean that's a that's a it's a it's a mindset shift too. I mean, you know, thinking thinking it's yeah. not gonna work, you're already gonna it's already not gonna work. Yeah. The, the second you think that, then uh, you know you've already you've already lost uh, on that edge of it. But shifting that mindset yeah. to to you being able to apply those things and you know slowly figuring it out, I mean that it applies to everything in life, not not just you know that. Most but, definitely. You know what's crazy. When I started working with that nonprofit again, like I said, I, I went out as an outreach coordinator. Is how it started out, right? And I I couldn't help but laugh every single time I said when somebody asked me, "What do you do?" I was like, "Oh, outreach coordinator." And in the back of my mind, I'm thinking like, "Fuck, I'm just recruiting for a gang. Like that's all I'm doing." <laughs> but I didn't know that's what you call it, an outreach coordinator. Fuck. All right, yeah, cool. Uh, but yeah, when I when I did that organization, like I said, you know that particular individual that really should, took me under his wing. I went from an outreach coordinator to all of a sudden developing a, a curriculum, right? And then, so I became program director. And then after program director, within a span of what, 10, 11 months, I ended up running that organization as the executive director, right? So everybody around me was kind of like, well, why the fuck is he doing it? Like, yeah. why can't I have that title? And I kept on, I, I've never, like I said, I've never been one of those people that kind of wants the attention. I would always sit the other ones down and be like, look, my boy, like, this is why you learn the budgeting. This is why you learn the grant making. This is why you, because it's all connected, right? Once I took over that organization, um, people were very uncomfortable with me being in that position. Um, and I remember he told me, he's like, you know what, JP, like, why don't you just shut the shit down? Start your own one. I'll help you at the, at the very beginning. Um, and his way of helping was always like, how much money do you need? Yeah. You yeah. Know? And I would always sound like, no, fuck it, I don't need money. Like, if I'm going to create something, yeah. I need to know how I'm creating this from the ground up. Right. So when I started Palabra, my, my original nonprofit, right. I had this girl, Libby Locke. Love that woman to death. She was a UCSB student at the time. She really helped me fill out all the paperwork. But when she's filling it out, I'm like, all right, so what does this mean? What does that mean? So I knew the organization from the bottom up yep, and exactly what it meant. Like, you know, what it means to have a board and all that, yep, right? Yep. Um, so that's what kind of got me into this whole nonprofit sector thing. Um, but I, I'll be honest with you, and I've said this so many times, I would much rather gangbang than doing nonprofit work. You know what I mean? There's more honesty in the gangbanging. There's more, um, the way you conduct yourself on the streets is, is a lot in, in my head, it, it just seems more honorable than the way the nonprofit wor world works. You know, um, I come across a lot of individuals in the nonprofit sector and 
the people themselves are doing the work are sincere about it but they always run into the same problems where it's like the policy of the nonprofit is this like most people have a perception of what they do like you know you have drug treatment programs right. well they're all about helping people you know right. the end game is how do we make more money to keep this keep going right so right. even though these people are going in and out we want to make that money same thing for us you know right yeah i mean changing that perspective of a nonprofit is really difficult and from other people's i mean a lot of people i mean it's a business right a lot of people are in it for business and for those reasons and I mean, being purpose driven yeah. behind it is is gonna what you know drives the north star of whatever right. organization that you have. So again, if you're able to do it yourself and you build it up and you do it the right way, then then you know that the mission is is yours and it's true yeah. and it's you don't have any any other factors that are underlying that that you know you say you're doing something but you know you're really not doing everything you can to to achieve that mission. Um, so yeah. I mean, that that's another important, uh, you know, piece of you developing your own, um, which it sounds like you did after the, after that, right? Which is Palabra. Yeah, uh, and, and I mean, but just exactly like you said, you know, when you develop something, that's your idea. Like you, I, I believe every nonprofit out there, especially in Santa Barbara, I think it's all it all came from a good heart, from a good place right. to at, want to do something at some positive. Point, at some exactly. point when it started, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But then I, I feel like sometimes with the people that started that, once they leave, everybody else kind of takes it and remolds it and repackages right. it. Right, because once the original way. connection yeah. and that mission is gone, some of it will linger around for a while, yeah. but eventually once other people take over and, and it, it keeps getting more and more disconnected from what it was actually about exactly. in the first place. Exactly. Um, exactly and i mean I, I feel like that happens and not just in nonprofits. I, ha I feel like that happens in business and life a lot yeah. um just in, in in all kinds of sectors whether it be um you know businesses with like major corporations that that get too big too fast and then they yeah. lose uh, they they lose sight of what they're they were actually doing in the first place you know whether it be relationships whatever um and i mean i guess that's a that's an important Thing to remember is always yeah. always remember why you started in the first place what 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 was your mission what was your purpose behind it because i mean it you know in life a lot of things happen and they can happen very quickly and yeah um, i feel like it's you know very easy to get lose sight of that along the way most definitely i mean keep in mind like when i did this whole nonprofit thing like my first one i honestly had a my mindset was i want to do this i I gave myself another time, but I said, I only want to do it for five years, right? If I can't get rid of the issue that I'm addressing in five years, then it's time for me to move to the side and let some young blood come in to maybe address it. You know what I mean? And I feel like that's the way that we should be doing things. I mean, instead of looking at the big organization, look at what's new in your community, a new right. way of doing things, a new idea to address it. Like, I think we need to give those opportunities because if you're constantly giving to the big one, you're not really changing anything. You're just pretty much, you know, just continuing to fill their pockets. You know what I mean? That's why, like I said, with me, with Palabra, I really originally wanted to have it open for five years only. Stop the gang violence, get the kids better educated, open lines of communi communication between different neighborhoods, and then step away and let 
the natural community, you know, make it grow. You know what I mean? But yeah, it, it didn't go down that way. And that's another life lesson that I learned. Topic for another yeah, day. I mean, not, not everything is going to go as planned ever. Oh, yeah. But so I guess let's uh, transition from that a little bit into uh, more to dive deep in, dive, dive deeper into your uh like criminal past and right. and kind of the underlyings of that, even though you know that was young and then it was a, a decent chunk of your life of where where that was you know basically what what you were doing. So um, you know, however you you want to yeah. to start diving into that, I'll, I'll pass that to you. So I I I stepped away from the neighborhood stuff for about four years, right? When I turned 18, I had my first son. So like I said, you know, I was working two full-time jobs and then raising my kids after work, you know? And to tell you the truth, the best job I ever had was a father. You know I mean? I love spending time with my kids. And anybody that grew up in this community knows that and during that time, if, fuck, if you saw me, my kids were always with me, right? Um, but then I started seeing, like I said, a, a lot of the shady stuff that was going on in my neighborhood in particular, um, because I have younger siblings as well. So certain things that was happening to them made me pissed off in my own neighborhood. So um, it's just something clicked in my head, man, that I was like, you know what? I got to come back and try to clean up my own neighborhood. So unfortunately, I think it was frustration and not having all the information in front of me that made me to lead made me do some other things that I shouldn't have done, right. right? So that's when I really got back into the whole criminal side of things. And that's when I understood the term of the road to hell is paved with good intentions, right? My whole idea for cleaning out my neighborhood was try to get rid of some of the drug dealers, a lot of the rats that were in the neighborhood, informants, stuff like that. So in order to do that, you need money. So I ended up from trying to kick certain drug dealers out of my neighborhood to all of a sudden like, well, shit, they got guns, they got this, so I got to get some. So yeah. I went from, you know, going inside a pad and doing a home invasion on them and at the beginning dropping dope down the sink to all of a sudden like, fuck, I need to take the dope and start slanging it now. Yeah. I got to come up with guns too now. So um, it, it got to that point where I was running around. Um, and before I knew it, honestly, man, like, I remember fucking one day it just hit me like, fuck, I became exactly what I was trying to get rid of. Right, like, right. how the hell did this happen? Splash. Yeah, right. you know what I mean? It just seems in the blink of an eye. So. How how much of, do you think, originally when you were growing up and being surrounded by these types of activities, how much do you think, even though you did have good intentions, that might have influenced the actions behind what you did to to get to um you know and then you ended up you know being involved in criminal activity and, and this and that but i mean it, it it seems like being exposed to that kind of that kind of behavior kind of normalized it for you right to to i mean a major extent to so then you know it almost became normal to to be a part and do those things to get a certain place or to achieve something right to some yeah. to some extent so uh, like i mentioned before you know growing up in, in a household where you know getting beat all the time and 
by my father and everything else it kind of normalized the violence you right. know right so if give an example if i had somebody that said oh you know who who here lives in a violent environment I wouldn't raise my hand. I would just look around and be like, well, I don't live in a violent environment. I mean, yeah. it's normal to me. So right. it doesn't it's mean normalized. that. Right, yeah. So it right. doesn't seem like super violent to you. Exactly. But, but if that's your baseline, then exactly. imagine what a little bit is, or I mean, compared to like actually none. Correct. Zero, I mean, yeah. I mean, that's, that's a big and, and something that you touched on right now, it's like at, at what point um, the tactics that I use again it was kind of like in my eyes or the way that i saw things was that it was justified right you know i didn't i didn't call the cops on them i didn't involve their other community to get these people out i dealt with them head on the you're way that we would deal with yeah that we deal with it on the street yeah right so i still live by those conducts um by those you know the rules um but it, it was weird because so just to touch on, like, I, I felt like I was kind of shattered at the time because I grew up in a violent home. My dad always beating me and, and and everything else. I'm the oldest of my family, so I always try to grab his attention for that. Yep. So rather beat me yep. than my Older, siblings, yep. right? But when I have my kids, and this is something my kids can say, I've never laid a finger on my kids. And even when my kids were born, I talked to my dad about that. Hey, this is my kids. Don't fucking touch them. Yeah. Don't tell them what to do. So even though in that period where I kind of fucking lost it, I'll be honest, right. I went crazy yeah. for a little bit. Yeah. It seems like I was a good dad, but I was a monster on the streets, you know, um, that my criminal past from there kind of just launched off even more because it opened up more avenues for me. Um, I would go and pick up dope in LA, drop it off in Las Vegas, stop in Sacramento and, yeah. And I was doing that shit periodically, you know what I mean? It's in the loop. Exactly. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I remember driving back and all of a sudden they hit me like, how the fuck did I become the drug dealer now? Yeah. And I'll be honest, I've never liked drug dealing. For me, the way I used to make money more was really finding people that owed money or doing home invasions and just robbing them. Uh, but it was never citizens. It was always drug-related individuals. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so again, that's just the way it came about. I ended up, uh, they, I was renting a hotel because when I was selling dope and everything else, I used to not sleep for like five, six, seven days at yeah, a time. Wow, that's crazy. And then I rent a hotel room and then I crashed shop and for like crashed. two, three days. Yeah. So when I ended up getting popped the first time, it was uh, at, uh, it used to be called the Sleepy Inn Motel on State Street and, mm. and La Cum, uh, Mission. Mission oh, okay. State. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I remember uh, when I was, when I was sleeping in there, I guess the guy, the manager there, thought I was dead because they tried to go clean the room. Yeah, wow. And fucking opened up the door and I was laid out with a gun on the bed and I was just crashed the fuck out. So oh, he kept wow. on yelling at me and I wouldn't wake up. So I called the cops uh, and the okay. cops broke in. They thought it was like, oh, some idiot committed suicide. So I just remember being out. Next thing I know, I felt a bunch of hands on me yeah. and I started fighting with the cops trying to reach for the gun. Like, oh, wow. And then they hit me like, oh, fuck, I'm getting arrested. Yeah, I was like, all right, cool, I'm cool with that, yeah. you know? Um, that ended up catching me one strike. But then I got out of jail. I bailed out of jail. And then they caught me a second time. But I had some some other type of guns. Uh, at the time, the armory was robbed in, down south. And I, I ended up having some of those military weapons with I me see. and everything. And that's what ended up catching my two, my two strikes. Two strikes, yeah. Yeah, you know? Um, and like I said, you know, we'll, we'll get more 
into some of those criminal stuff but right. that's basically how it transitioned into where where i'm at now right yeah um, and i mean i mean if you really look at it some of the some of these are you know major 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 things and it's really a stark flip of where you're at now and how you're uh, a positive impact on on people on people in, in situations that you may have been in yourself because you understand what they're going through yeah. and you and you connect with them that way uh, from actually like doing and being at the peak of all this bad bad stuff um, I mean how how does that seem to you I mean from from going such I mean it's a stark such a stark opposite right of of being the good guy and and helping um versus being in the situation and and not being able to seemingly get out of it you know what that that's the thing you would think it's a different individual but it's not right like that's the thing that's the point that i try to get across to people like i always hear a lot of people around me that know me right now or that have met me while i've been doing this work it's like wow you're such a nice guy and you help out people and everything else but i always i always have to remind them like that's only the person that you know you only know that side of me but the person that was doing the other shit is still in me like i'm still that person yeah you know what i mean it's just in my mind or the way that i deal with it is like if i'm dealing with you i'm gonna address you and deal on your level right but if i'm dealing with another homie from a neighborhood then i know i can't deal with him the same way i deal with you i got to basically handle him in the way that i understand about it yeah and i mean right? I, you know, everyone everyone does that it's just contextualizing who you're talking to you know you're, you're going to talk to someone that you're more familiar with and you know what they respond to in different ways than than someone else you may not know as well well that's the thing you would think that people know that but they don't because i when i was doing palabra there was a couple times where i had a couple of fools who did like 15 years in the joint and then they come out and when they come out they hear that i'm back in town or you know, hey, what's up? You know, they try to get at me or whatever. And the homies would call me from different neighborhoods, be like, hey, homie, so and so is at you. Well, I'm cool. I'll be in your neighborhood right now, dog. I show up. What's up? We'll just take a walk. Yeah. And then when you tell them that, a lot of these fools be like, but wait a minute, aren't you doing this in the community? Yeah. Yeah, I am, my boy, but I know how we do yeah, this exactly. shit. So let's handle this. And after this, if you want to talk, cool. And honestly, I would rather talk with them, but I know that they're coming out with this idea like, Oh, he's just a fucking community yeah, activist yeah. now, no, and sure. he's not the homie. And like, I have to remind him, like, nah, I'm still the same person, my boy. Like, so let's handle it. And once they kind of back out, then cool, we can have that conversation. You know what I mean? But you, I feel like I'm trying to show them the respect. Yeah. Like, yeah, hey, oh, man, I know this is what you're looking for. And, and you and, and you understand it on on as much or more than a level than they than they do because they're they're in it now. But that's something that you were in at. At, at all levels and you were in that loop and you were in that circle and so I mean you understand what they're going through right. and and where they're at and you can see it from a higher higher level and a higher perspective from where you're at now yeah so you know what the funny thing is when when those type of situations happen in different neighborhoods with me it was funny because those are the type of incidents that some of the kids would see and some of the kids then would gravitate more towards the organization mm. because like I would tell them like hey I mean like I'm not telling you to turn the other cheek, but what at the end of the day, what I'm trying to teach a lot of these youngsters in the neighborhood is that 
you only get a limited amount of time or choices in your life that are going to have great impact on your life. Right. Right. So you have to limit yourself by exposing yourself to certain situations. If I confront a certain individual, I know I don't have to do it for the next 20 other times. Right. But if I show any weakness to the individual, then I'm going to have to fight 20 different times now. So when I would do some of these things, the kids then would be like, oh, so you're not telling me I have to be a weenie. You're not telling me I have to be a little bitch about denying things. I just want to teach you accountability. Right. And like I tell a lot of the kids is, I just want to make sure that when you're fucking sitting in a jail cell and you're facing 25 to life, I don't want you to sit there thinking like, fuck, nobody told me about this. The gang misled me. Yeah. I didn't know this was going to happen. Like, I want you to sit there going, fuck, yeah, you know what? But I did what I had to do. I want you to be satisfied with yourself in that aspect. A a accountability in all aspects of life um, is... I mean, majorly important, and it's one of the you know biggest things into being you know happy, being yeah. happy yourself, and uh, and I mean, those things cross paths, and I mean, you know, as something on that level to to be able to understand and communicate that to them, yeah. Um, I mean, it's must be pretty powerful because I mean, hopefully it it you know helps people at least make decisions to go down, you know, the correct path. Yeah. For, for them and uh you know hopefully make good decisions based based upon that information that you give them and the way you're able to communicate with them so i mean that's yeah. i mean it seems like it's super important to me for for them to have that voice and this voice and you know this is one of the reasons why why we're doing this in the first Correct. place is um just to, to have to have that voice i mean J, jp is um has such an incredible uh, knowledge base about about this and you know he's very passionate and um you know he's mission driven he's trying to trying to help as many people as possible and to to be able to to get that out to as many people as possible you can do it on a one-to-one -one basis but to be able to have but this that, is why we're doing it exactly to, to, yeah. to be able to have everyone uh here um reality and and understanding that and accountability i mean i think that's yeah. big no and keep in mind like i really want to shine a light on more individuals out in the community that have the same state of mind as I do. I mean, some of the individuals I think we'll bring on later on, you know, from different neighborhoods, you'll reflect that. You'll, you'll be able to see the fact that there's more of us that have the same state of mind and the way that we carry ourselves. Because like I said, everything that I've done with a nonprofit or worked in the community, I always say me because I feel like there's a lot of mystery from law enforcement side, like thinking like, oh, well, he's active. He always says he's active. Mm -hmm. That mm -hmm. they think, it, you know, I'd rather have them focus on me than focus on the rest of the community. Right. But everything that I've done in the community from the, the good work, from, you know, stopping the violence and everything else, has really been a group of men from those neighborhoods. You know, I can't go to, a, to the West side and tell them, hey, do this, do this, do that or I can't go to the east side or any other neighborhood. I have to find individuals that still live by that code and still conduct themselves in that manner and that would be willing to have better outcomes for their own community. You right. know what I mean? Because the whole idea here is how do you teach a community to be self-empowered? Right. You know what I mean? To stop asking for other nonprofits to come and do things for them. It's like, how do you give me the skills in order for me to do it for ourselves? And that's where our whole idea is. So by us having these conversations, 
I think that that's what we want to push out to the rest of the community that there's more. What's that saying? There's more than one way to skin a cat. Right? <laughs> yeah, that's the same. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I mean, the, I guess the important part is empowering, empowering you, know, you as yourself to to take action and yeah. do do what do it yourself. You step know? up I'm, to the plate. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, step up to the plate. You know, I, I see so many kids with so much promise, um, and it's hard for me to look at them because I see leaders. I see so much potential in them but then when you talk to them it's kind of like oh, i can't do that i can't do this and i always have to remind them like motherfucker you already made a life and death decision on joining the neighborhood yeah so it's too late for you to want to feel like i just want to play the back role my boy you have to take ownership of the life that you're yeah. in and, and hey i'm either go for the top or get the fuck out Dude, like, yeah you know what i mean yeah and um I mean, understand that you can really do anything that you put your mind to is is something to, I mean, it may seem like impossible to do, some of these paths may seem impossible to, yeah. to get out or to, to become like a regular part of society and like be like following what you're passionate about and doing that versus, you know, the other side of yeah. things and, and getting looped into the, the bad circle of... Getting of, used. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the, the whole deal. Um, yeah. So... I guess understanding that that really comes down to you and you making the first decision to to do that and then following it. I mean, every, no one actually knows how to do really anything. It's just they they take a step forward out. and they figure it out, yeah. right? You you try yeah. something first and it doesn't work and then you try it again and then you talk to someone that has done it before and you see what they did and you analyze the situation and how can I... Um, you know, get this job, you know, well, I need to, you know, move somewhere. Yeah. Or I need to get out of the situation I'm in. And, and again, it's little decision by little decision by little decision. Dude, I, I think that as long as you look at life and be willing to hear people out, you, how they did it may not be easy for you to apply for yourself, but you just have to take whatever piece you got out of it and then say, how can I incorporate that in myself? Yeah, because yeah. it's context, and everyone's lives are different, and yeah. everyone gets to their spot in life completely differently. And, and you know, learning just a little piece of how someone yeah. got through something, whether it's a mental block or a physical thing that you have to yeah. do, um, how they got to the next the next part. It may not completely apply, but some of it may apply, and you put things together, and you you, I mean, again, building blocks to 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 get where you're trying to go. Yeah. And I guess the first part again is making that decision of of what what you want to do. What do you want to accomplish? What do you want to accomplish? Yeah. And then then saying, Okay, I'm gonna do that and I'm gonna get there. Correct. And then that's it. And then you can you can get there. And then it might take time and you might have to be patient. Cool. But Hey man, yeah, that's true. But one 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 thing I like to push on the kids as well too is the fact of the patience thing. It's like my boy, you're you've gotta learn how to be the patient part, but with yourself more than anything. Cause yeah. If you're not, fuck. Trust me, you're gonna have to learn how to be patient when you're sitting in a jail cell. You know. What yeah. I mean? Well, I mean, I mean that that yeah. for sure. I mean so, that that makes it that makes a ton of sense. And let um, me make one thing yeah. perfectly clear, just so yeah. people also understand as well. I will never be that person that gets a kid out of a gang. I will never be that person that gets a kid out of a gang, and let me explain why. It goes back to that thing that my grandpa had told me about. You know what I mean? I've talked to so many kids who are at that bridge where they're trying to get in 
and I will always discourage them yeah. by giving them the true facts. Yeah. And then be able to present them to somebody from that neighborhood that can then give them the history or what it is or have a discussion with them. So being finding out like, what is it that you're looking for? Right. And then that person would tell them like, yeah, you're looking in the wrong place. You want family, you want respect, you want this, you want money. Homie, the neighborhood is not where you want to get that. Yep. It's not going to happen, yep. right? So I just make that clear. My job is not to ever get a kid out of gang. And the, and the other reason for doing that is because I always feel that if somebody's in a gang and they understand the hardships, even as a 14-year-old, 15-year-old, 16-year-old, that individual then has the power to teach the next generation behind them on not making the same choice. Same mistakes. Yeah, exactly. and, 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 it's what, and it's why you're here. I mean, that's, that's, exactly. that's the entire reason. Um, so equip them with as much knowledge and, and with, with as much reality yeah. as possible. Um, to hopefully guide them into, you know, the path that they want to forge for themselves and their lives. Yeah, most definitely, most definitely, man. Like I said, you know, I I I want to look at this as only a limited time for me to do what I do, because ideally you want to hand it off to the next generation behind you. Right. I mean, I feel anybody that milks these type of positions, they kind of just want to milk it, and you find a sixty-year-old, but it's like, come on, my boy, hang it up, dog, like. You need to empower the younger ones, teach the younger ones so they can carry this even further. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and, and that's the idea with, with us doing this podcast. Like, I feel that there's a lot of stuff that goes on in the neighborhoods and the community and even with the nonprofits that I feel I need to explain to the younger generation as well for them not to make the same mistakes, you know? And the nonprofit thing, like, I think we should have a discussion on that down the line. Yeah. But yeah, dude, nonprofits. <laughs> Crazy, <laughs> crazy, crazy stories, you know? Yeah, I, I bet. And I'm looking forward to hearing those yeah. in, an, in another episode, definitely. Um, yeah, I mean, that, I, I mean that's a lot to, to intake. And I mean, it's it's extremely clear that, that yeah. I mean, you've learned so much from all the experiences that you've gone through. And, I mean, the, the knowledge and and the reality you're able to, to give these kids and families and people that may be in positions that you've seen yourself in. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's really big and, you know, I think it can make a, a huge impact on, again, that, that next generation, um, of, of really living the lives that they want to live. Yeah. Um, and being, and being, you know, good, good people. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's incredible. Definitely. Um, anything that you want to add specifically about, and, you know, any of the topics that we touched about your life or anything along those lines? Um, you know what, there, there's a thing when, when we're talking about helping kids and families, yep. um, and, and you just said something right now, um, that kind of reminded me to want to hit that particular subject is there's a lot of things that I can reflect back on that, that absolutely broke me. You know what I mean? Like broke me like mentally, emotionally, yep. like. And I remember looking at other individuals like, fuck, how come they didn't get broken by those same things? But then certain things that broke them made me stronger. Like, so with me helping out the families, I think the biggest thing that I do when I walk into a family is I leave my own experiences outside. I leave my own expectations or what I think is normal. Mm -hmm. I leave all, all of myself outside. So when I'm dealing with a family, I'm trying to find out where are they at? Yeah. You know, what is the norms? 
Like, like we talked about, you know, right. what is Trying violence? To, yeah, that's, yeah that's exactly. Right. Gain context of their lives. Exactly. And everyone lives different lives, and everyone's in a different spot, yeah. at a different age, at a different time. And, um, yeah, understand, like, really diving into that and understanding that at at surface level is, is, is tough. And, yeah, I mean, so going into that, just, I mean, you still understand everything that you went through, but you have to contextualize who you're talking to and yeah. how they understand it and how they respond to it and that whole sensory aspect of it because you know maybe some of it's mental and they need to hear uh, hear something at the right time from you right. whether you say something that may trigger them and, and, and you know there's a light bulb that goes off or yeah. it's or it's an action something happens and then that is is the moment for them um yeah i think when, when i've been able to when i've been able to do that it's it's led me to being able to connect with people a lot better and also be able to guide them out of certain problems within that they're going through. Right. You know what I mean? Uh, because I don't have this whole idea that, well, you're a gang member, so therefore, by your age, I was already doing this. Like, motherfuckers, different times. Yeah. You know what I mean? I could sh I could have shot somebody when I was a teenager, and that's probably the most I would have gone. If I was able to kill somebody, it would have been like four years, five years, right? right? right. Now you have these kids who they pull somebody's hair, and because they're gang active, they're looking at 10 years. You know yeah. what I mean? Like for the gang enhancement and then one year for the hair pulling. Like Yeah, no, I mean so people need yeah. to understand it's different yeah, it's, times. Yeah, definitely you know? definitely different times. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Or you when I run into families and they're like, Oh, you know, my kid's a fucking drug addict and I and I sometimes I think that I'll be like, dude, every time I come to your house you're drinking beer, like yeah. And when I tell them like, hey, so why the hell are you drinking? Like, oh, but this but I work and this is the way I decompress. Yeah, and your kid goes to school and has to do with a lot of bullshit, and that's how he's decompressing. But he learned it from you. Like, there's a lot more. Yeah, there's a lot yeah, more to the story. Right? Exactly. I mean, yeah, you know what I, mean? Uh, I mean, yeah, parents are huge. People you surround yourself with. I mean, um, you know, I guess if you know if you're part of the homies or, or you know that that yeah. circle, it's it's tough to surround yourself with positivity and and you know real world real world perspective about how my boy how can you say that <laughs> positivity from, is everywhere from, you should need to learn to look right at and, and that's a that's a that's a that's yeah. a mind thing and but yeah. i i from from an outsider's perspective it seems that most people don't look at mm -hmm. things that way yeah in 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 that in that sense yeah um now i get you i'm sure i'm sure it's there um, but it, yeah. it it doesn't really seem like like it is actually that because it's it's hidden underneath a bunch of different well, shit that might be on top of it shit man you 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 heard of tupac where in that song when he says you know my, my dad's handing me jewels but i didn't understand at the time what he was giving me right like, right you yeah know what I mean? no I for sure. that's what a lot of these kids kind of deal with is like some people are giving them perfect guiding principles or you know ways to look at things and and to them it's kind of like yeah 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 you're yeah in a way absolutely. but it's like dude yeah, and you get older you're like Fuck! I remember my teacher telling me that. Like, yeah, and then you, then you, then could that, avoided that, me five years. Right, like, and that could be mean? the moment that it clicks. Yeah. And you know, what I mean, so, so it, it, again, it's tough to understand it at surface level. The second something's told yeah. to you, but again, it's re repetition. At, you know, actions, and whenever it clicks for you, then oh, yeah. it clicks. And um, so, I mean, you know, this has been a great conversation about understanding your story, your background, your experience with all this, and. And what you're trying to do and and helping everybody, um, so mm -hmm. I guess to sum to sum it up, let's uh, let's sum up what the purpose and moving forward right. behind this podcast is going to be. Um, so everyone listening, everyone watching, um, 
can look forward to and and look forward to more of your conversations so again you know for for us doing this is really to educate people on both sides of the community um how do we hold each other accountable you know we're all needed in order to make a community um and even though i might have certain perspectives on the way things work i'm hoping to bring on different guests from the opposite point we can have a discussion and then you know kind of clarify through the bs and see if we come to a better understanding from both sides of where we're at and what we need to do in order to move forward as a community right and so, i mean getting all those perspectives um yeah. is is great because not i mean no one no one always knows everything everyone sees things differently yeah so you know really really seeing that um from a bird's eye and seeing all the different sides of it and hopefully um you know creating a bigger bigger conversation around yeah. it um among, among the reality of things um is great so i guess tell us uh, a little bit uh, a short bit about our next our next episode and um who we're gonna have on yeah so it's gonna be uh gene mojia he was a probation officer, I believe, for about 15 years here in Santa Barbara, um, Santa Barbara County. Um, he's worked with kids and also with adults. Um, he brings a unique uh, story from his end on trying to work with kids. Um, I've worked with him periodically, off and on, um, with certain families, you know, dealing with the same population and everything else. And, you know, just has a lot of wealth of knowledge, has a lot of connections with the youth as well. Some of them are young men now. Um, and I think he brings a unique experience because like I said, you know, he's been on that side and I, I think it'll be a good dialogue for us to kind of put some of these pieces together, see where they fit in and seeing if we can kind of create a path for probation and, and our community kind of moving forward hopefully on what works, what doesn't work, and what kind of changes need to happen uh, from both sides. Yeah. You know what I mean? Both sides. Yeah. Because, you know, we want to be accountable to everybody and grow accountability. But like I said, I'll be coming in and seeing how we hold our kids accountable and the older individuals in my community. Right. And he'll come in from the law enforcement side and seeing how do we hold that side accountable as well and kind of move forward. That's great. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to that conversation. Yeah. And to just to give a little more context to everyone listening and, and watching, mm -hmm. uh, I mean, we're in Santa Barbara, California. So, I mean, right. you may be listening from around the country or, you know, maybe even around the world. And um, to give you some context, um, you know, Santa Barbara, California, um, if you haven't been here, it's an amazing place. But beautiful <laughs> place, beautiful place, but like anywhere, show me a sign that has poverty and you'll see the same issues as yeah. everywhere else, yeah. you know? But yeah, uh, Santa Barbara is a pretty unique place because I believe we have all the resources to address all of our problems is whether right. we really want to or not. Right, so, yeah, again, just having that bigger yeah. conversation about everything. Yeah. So, um, well, that's going to do it for uh, the first episode of Me Palabra. JP, thank you for spending the time with me. Thank you. And, Nick, I appreciate it. <laughs> and we will uh, we'll look forward to the next conversation we're going to have and many more to come. So thank you for listening and see you guys next time.